Hello, and welcome to the Lasting Impact Wellness Podcast, where together we explore ways to help you optimize your health and achieve sustainable well being. No one deserves to live an unhealthy life because they are overtasked, overstimulated, and overwhelmed. I'm your co host, Dr. Laura Hayes, and we'll be joined by Dr. Parker Hayes as we explore new perspectives and strategies rooted in self awareness, deep connections, and science based practices designed to create lasting impact for you and those around you. Please keep in mind this podcast is for the purpose of education, introspection, and community connection and should not be mistaken for medical advice. Be sure to subscribe and share with others. Let's be well together. Welcome to Lasting Impact Wellness, the podcast that helps you optimize your health and well-being through science-based practices, practical knowledge, and honest discussions. I'm your host today, Dr. Laura Hayes. Wow, do we have a great episode for you today. Talk about honest discussions. Well, you're about to hear one. I am really thrilled to be sharing this episode. But before we dive in, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and most importantly, please share it with someone. Okay, today we are talking about female sexuality. We're talking about sex. It's a topic that's often shrouded in mystery, stigmatized, or even ignored. But my guest today is hoping to change that. Today I'm joined by Courtney Boyer. Courtney is a relationship and sexuality expert who holds a master's in education and human sexuality and a master's degree in mental health counseling. She's also a certified life coach and the author of Not Tonight, Honey, Why Women Actually Don't Want Sex and What We Can Do About It. She has been featured in publications including Parents, Cosmopolitan, The Independent, and The Mirror. Courtney believes that we can reclaim our power through our sexuality, and she helps her clients to infuse passion and creativity into their lives by helping them uncover what's preventing them from connecting with their pleasure and their purpose. As her work in this field develops, Courtney is drawn to the emerging fields of epigenetics, neuropsychology, and energy work. She's trained in evidence-based methods like neurolinguistic programming, EMDR, IFS, and trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. Courtney, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you on. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. It's exciting. Thank to you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Great. So tell our listeners just a little bit of an intro about you, your journey, a bit of background on how you became interested in helping people, as you say, reclaim their power through their sexuality. I love that. So just tell us a little bit about you. Yes. So I am a relationship and sexuality expert. What does that mean? That's a really great question. <laughs> I was trained as a sexuality educator first and worked as a sexuality educator in a lot of marginalized and high-risk populations. And I would have people come up to me and ask me like clinical questions. Honestly, a lot of it was, is this normal? And I didn't have the expertise to ethically answer those questions. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school again. Thanks, honey. Okay. I get another master's. And this time it was in mental health counseling and decided to open up a mental health and sex therapy practice. I worked doing that for a little bit, and then my husband is in the military, and so we moved quite a bit. And so then I had to shut down my practice and move to a different state and have just really had to reinvent myself many times because of being married to a physician in the military. It just is the way it is. But through the journey, I found that people were drawn to me and wanting to ask me really intimate questions about their sexual health, about their relationships, about just sex in general, and have always loved those 
deep, intimate conversations and felt really grateful to be a part of uh, people's journeys, whether I'm working with couples or working with individuals. And a couple of years ago, I decided, gosh, I really would love to write a book about how to help women understand why they feel the way they do when it comes to sex. A lot of low desire is reasons why women would come to me. Their husbands would honestly send them like, I'm here because my husband wants you to fix me. And it was those kind of conversations that really led me to writing a book centered around the two most common questions I get asked are, what's wrong with me and am I broken? And so that's really where I am today is I speak and I write and I work with uh, individuals and couples and just really try to help elevate the conversation around women's sexuality and pleasure. Wow, that's great. And that says a lot about you, Courtney, honestly. It's a hard thing to be vulnerable about going to a perfect stranger and talking about your sexual desire or lack thereof or intimacy issues within your relationship or with yourself and things. So that's a really special space that you hold for people. So yeah, thank you for the work that you do really. Well, of course, human sexuality in general, that's a gigantic topic. So (laughs) I'll try not to be so general with my questions. And We all go through these different stages in our lives and our needs Mm -hmm. and desires and interests when it comes to sex in general can vary widely during those different stages of life, whether that's you're dating or you're newlywed or you've had children, certainly stress and your job and career and all the things that life throws at you can get in the way. What are some common themes? I'm sure some of the ones I just mentioned, but some common themes that you see when it comes to sexual dynamics and how they change over time and over somebody's lifetime. Yeah, gosh, there's so many factors that play into it. And I think that this is something that we really do a disservice when we don't address life transitions going from the student to the professional, um, um, where you are in your menstrual cycle as a woman, like how that affects your desire, how that affects your energy levels, stage of life. Are you dealing with aging parents and also raising children and like stress of the job and coping skills. There, Gosh, there are just so many things that people don't realize impact a person's desire and their energy and just their ability to engage in intimate activities with somebody else or even with themselves. Hmm. Talk to me a little bit about desire. I mean, I think it's an okay. interesting term and there's some confusion out there about that. When we're talking about sex and intimacy and desire they mean somewhat different things. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, a lot of people will talk about I have a low sex drive and technically that's not the correct term using drive. So I try to use desire. They're different in terms of the process neurologically, the things that are firing off in our brain. And that's all well and good. But for most of the clients that I deal with, they're just, I don't, I'm not in the mood and I don't ever desire it. I don't ever want it. And so can you like help me to do that so that I stop fighting with my spouse about this or so that my partner can stop making me feel bad because I've said no every night this week. And now I feel like I just have to have sex out of routine and maintenance and all of that. So for me, when I refer to desire, it's that almost like innate response to a sexual situation. And that's a very basic and probably butchered scientific explanation of it. But one of the things I really try to do is be understandable to the people that I work with or just to an audience in general. And talking like high level again, oh, this is what's happening in your brain. And this is where the disconnect is and all of that. I find that people are just like, I don't want it. How do I want it? Can you fix that for me? And can you fix it for them? (laughs) I can give you some tools to fix it. But I think that is such a 
wrong way of looking at it. Like if it, it's really easy for us to see things as problems and problems need fixing as opposed to maybe the question is the problem. Instead of blaming the process, we are blaming the person. And I think that it's really the process and really the goal of sexual intimacy and the way that sex has been paraded around in the media and the expectations that we have when it comes to sex. I really think that's the problem. So people don't, people want a quick fix, right? So if I say, no, I can't fix you, then they're like, I'm going to go find somebody else who does. But I try to reframe it and be like, what makes you think you need fixing? What makes you think there's a problem? And from there, depending on their response, we're able to tackle and approach it from a more holistic perspective as opposed to my car's not running. Can you fix the transmission so I can be on my way? And when we approach sex like that, we're missing so many issues. And it makes me think one thing that we work a lot with our clients at Lasting Impact is all about self-awareness. We say that yes. self-awareness is the foundation of all things health and well-being. It really Love is. It. You have to yes. know yourself best in order to yes. know what you need and what you desire. And I can mm -hmm. imagine in this world of human sexuality in general, but when we're talking specifically about female sexuality and how our drive, our desires change <laughs> and, and such, that probably is one of the biggest challenges at first is to identify what is going on here? What is mm -hmm. going on with me personally? Is this stemming from an insecurity about my physical body? Is yep. this stemming from me just really being overwhelmed with life tasks and to-do yes. lists? Is this stemming from me having some resentment towards my partner for not Absolutely. acknowledging me or not participating in things like that? So I guess in your opinion, what do you, it sounds like you're nodding and saying, yeah, so self-awareness plays a big role here is what I'm oh. hearing. Oh, hundred percent. That is literally one of the first things that we do. And I always say self-awareness is step number one. Like we will never change anything unless we have self-awareness. And I, that is so huge. I had a client one time where she came to me and she was struggling with feeling good about herself and self-esteem and just feeling like sex, sexy and sexual and stuff. And I asked her to, or I asked her, do you have any negative self-talk? And she was like, no, absolutely not. And I was like, okay, so I want you to do a little experiment for me. I said, all I want you to do is just notice the, the thoughts that are in your brain this week. That's it. I'm not asking you to change them. I'm just, again, bringing that self-awareness. I didn't use the term self-awareness. It's essentially the same thing. And she came back to me, sent me a message after a few days and was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea all the negative self-talk that I had. Because she had never taken that step of self-awareness. And a lot of people just aren't taught that. And so that's, a, that's an easy example of how once we tune in to what's going on in our mind, body, soul, that we, that's when we really can start to make the changes. But you can't until you take stock of where you're at. Yeah. And that's a really hard space to be in. I think I can yeah. only speak for a woman because I am one, but I've myself have experienced this, but also friends, when we talk about these things, your partner can tell you're beautiful and sexy mm -hmm. all day long and all Absolutely. night long. But if you don't feel that and you don't believe that yourself and you're constantly having a louder negative self-talk speaker going in your mind constantly, then you're not going to get past that. You're not going to feel Absolutely. sexual and sexy and all those things that that you would need 
to feel in order to yeah. be in the mood and be into it. So Absolutely. And another thing that we're not really taught, especially as women, is how to receive. We struggle with receiving pleasure, with receiving compliments, with just receiving prosperity. And so if that has never been experienced in our life, then no wonder when we're like 15 years into marriage and we're like, I am so disconnected. I am really struggling with how to be in this relationship. I can't ignore it anymore. I can't, even though my partner's telling me how great I am, I don't know how to receive that. And really what a lot of people don't realize is that there's this basic level at our nervous system that it doesn't feel safe to receive that. And so when things don't feel safe, we automatically discard it. Nope, can't, nope, I, <laughs> I cannot hold this. It's like a hot potato. Get it out of my hands. Yeah, that's interesting. How can you help somebody to become more receiving of those yeah. kinds of things? I think of even the basic, you hear this a lot, where someone gives you a compliment, like you said, it could be a friend. Oh, I love your hair today. And you go, oh, thanks. I just got it done. There's some little, yeah. there's a little yeah. caveat there. There's a little yes. excuse or something else that you have to add on instead of just saying, Oh, thanks. Yeah, I agree. It looks great today. Or, yeah, or I'm like totally know. banging today. Yes, I exactly. am. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> so how do you start receiving that? Is is it is that more mindset work? Does it go back to self-awareness? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so one of the things that I do with my clients, and this is where I get really frustrated with a lot of people, a lot of coaches or people in the industry, is that they're there to hand out really quick solutions. And those work great for like band-aids, but a lot of times they're putting these band-aids on these gaping wounds. And so if you do not retrain your nervous system, if you do not help work to establish safety in yourself, all the work in the world and all the self-awareness will do you no good. And so one of the things I help my clients do is establish safety. First and foremost, if you do not feel safe in yourself, then that's what this therapeutic or this coaching, this container is that we're creating a sense of safety. We're creating a community where as you're working towards that so that you can be that sense of safety for yourself, that this is like your surrogate safety system. It's like your safety net. And from there, with self-awareness, that's where we start to make those incremental changes and then I'll recalibrate, titrate. Okay, yep, I can do that a little bit. That feels a little discomfort, but I'm safe here. Okay, now we're going to do, it's when we see the big pendulum swings. Sure, maybe I can white knuckle it for a while and get the results, but long-term it's not going to last because it's screaming unsafe, unsafe, run away, retreat. And that's when we go back to our unhelpful and unhealthy behaviors. Thank you for explaining that. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so much I want to talk to you about. <laughs> uh, it's such a fascinating topic. I was actually yeah. talking with some of my female friends the other day, and we were talking about the mental load and how that mm. just gets in the way of your sexual desire and being yeah. in the mood. And it's a real struggle that a lot of women face. And especially in this phase of life, I have two kids. A lot of my friends are in this same age range where we've got little kids and we're constantly juggling all of these things. So it can be really hard to put those things aside and not take all of those things with you into the bedroom, so to speak. So I think that's a really challenging one. I guess for me, part of it is um, being more intentional with it. Mm -hmm. One of my friends said, we schedule sex. We, mm -hmm. every Saturday yeah. we have date night and that's our night. And it's nice. We look forward to it throughout the week. It takes a little bit of the pressure off during the yeah. week. And, and we have something to really be excited about and we can prepare and it feels new again. So that's certainly one way to do it. Yeah. And then definitely 
there's a component of mindfulness, being connected mm-hmm. in that moment, being able to be present, being able to shed all those other layers and, and leave them aside for a moment yeah. and be present with your spouse, be present with yourself, even yeah, even when you're alone, having a, a mindful moment uh, being there. So I don't know where I'm even going with that, but is there something to that? It seems that mind-body connection or that opportunity for mindfulness and truly being present in the moment mm-hmm. is an opportunity for growth for some people when it comes to their sexuality and their desire. Yeah. I, one of the things that I wanted to acknowledge that you said is that responsibility is the biggest killer of desire. So when you have this huge mental load, that you're not going to be turned on. Like those are, you are pumping the brakes all day long. And so I think we, we need to give ourselves grace and realize that takes a toll. And there is a price when we choose to take on these responsibilities. That's a whole other conversation in terms of are these, am I doing these out of obligation? Am I doing these because they bring me joy? Am I doing these because, you know, for whatever reason? But I think that's really important to acknowledge is responsibility is that is the biggest, that's like the emergency brake of the car. And so if you are always in that state, you're, of course, you don't have any desire. Duh. Another point that a lot of people don't, realize is that we were not raised to prioritize pleasure. Pleasure is seen as a distraction or it's seen as a reward. It is not seen as a way of life. And that is something that I think has to change, especially for women, if we want to take back control of our sexuality. Because without doing things that bring us pleasure, and I don't mean just sexual pleasure, any kind of pleasure, we will continue to engage in obligate, obligatory, and soul-sucking responsibilities that add no value to our life. And of course, we're going to be left with crumbs at the end of the day that we give our partner and say, that's all I got. Can we do it another night and another night, right? And push and push. Yeah, that's a great point. Again, taking it even away from sex of just how do you bring yourself joy throughout the day? Are you doing things that make you truly happy? Are you doing things that are fun? Being able to take a pause throughout your day and life mm-hmm. to focus on you and really focus on your well-being, yeah. of which sexuality comes in. But it's unfortunate. We're all on this autopilot mode all day yeah. long and life is passing us by. And as you say, if we're not finding pleasure in our lives in general, how are we supposed to just turn it off and then be expected to find desire and be in the mood? and find pleasure in that realm as well. Yeah, it's, I see, when I see people who are disconnected from sex, I see them disconnected from pleasure in other areas of their life too. And so it, it, people think, oh, it's just one symptom, but it's not, it's systemic. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people miss is that living authentically affects all areas of your life and living un- inauthentically does the exact same. And so it's wanting a quick fix. Yes, you can schedule sex. Absolutely. I am a huge fan of that. But I think that I would have a conversation with that couple that goes a, a lot deeper of what, what kind of sex do you want to be having? What kind of intimacy is it so that you at the end of the day want to connect? It, it's not that you have to have penetrative sex every night of the week or even once a week. I get asked that a lot. What's how much sex should we be having? And I, it's such an interesting question to me because 
like, why does it matter? It doesn't matter. And it's so subjective. It's so subjective. But having that conversation of what works for you, what are your expectations? What are your needs? What are your desires? But really, what is the kind of sex? What is the kind of activities? And again, not just sexual, that really, oh man, I want a life that involves this and that. And the, oh, that's the kind of thing I want to see people doing with their lives. And, and that, requ- that's, that requires work. And it, it requires you to let go of, of where you're at a lot of times and step away from things and say no to things. And that's hard and scary. For sure. And acknowledging that you have changed and what you define as intimacy or what you need from an intimate partner changes over time too. Absolutely. I think, wow, snuggling on the couch or Mm -hmm. just having that physical touch and that physical connection or a long sensual kiss can go Mm. a long way. (laughs) Absolutely. If you haven't done it in a while, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't always have to be the act of actual full-on sex, but there are those little moments of intimacy. And there are some opportunities there to talk to your partner about that. What do you need at that moment? Maybe you don't need sex. Maybe you need a little more just physical touch or again, snuggling or or kissing or something. But if you don't know what you want or what you need, then it's hard to communicate that with the other person involved. And, And that requires you to give yourself permission to identify what it is that you need. And a lot of people, especially women, just don't give themselves permission. Like I've literally written out a permission slip in a session before and been like, here you go. You have my permission to do X, Y, or Z. And like they're bot- like just, oh, really? It, that, that, that's okay for me to go do that? Girl, you, y- yes, sir. It is. Yes, you can. Go have a great time. And just for some people, they just didn't grow up that way. And they just never were able to get to that point where they said, yeah, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to go after things that that light me up. We hold ourselves to these impossible expectations and standards. And over time, we do lose that ability to really see what we need and what we want and what's really at the core of who we are. I love what you said about how everything's connected. And uh, Parker and I talk a lot about that with our patients and our clients, with all things health-related, not just sex, but it's all this big cycle and one thing affects the other. If you're, as you said, if you're overwhelmed by responsibilities and then your stress is building up and then you're not sleeping well at night and you don't have enough energy to engage in physical fitness the next day or do your workout or find things that bring you pleasure. And then you just get into this vicious cycle on this autopilot mode that's building up and building up. And before you know it, you are looking at your partner and you're saying, oh my, wow, we haven't had sex in month. Is that possible? Because you don't even realize it because life is just passing you by and you're just this bystander watching it on full speed instead of really being an active participant. Absolutely. So talk to me a little. I've heard you talk about the difference between performance versus the pleasure mentality. I, Mm -hmm. I would love for you to explain how women may have to overcome one in order to really embrace their sexuality. We live in such a result focused society. So the purpose or the outcome is very forefront in terms of when it comes to sex. So typically in a heterosexual situation, we have penis and vagina equals orgasm. So that is how we approach sex. We're not there because it feels good. Yes, we are there because it feels good, but really we're there so that one or two people get off and then we move on and go about our day. And I think that is such a unhelpful way of approaching sex because we miss out on the fun 
can we please make sex fun again? Please, can we make it fun again? We miss out on the fun. We miss out on the connection. We miss out on the transformation. We miss out on the healing. There are so many amazing things that sex can do and be, and yet we really are so focused on that performance. Performance meaning I need to moan this time. I need to put my legs here. I need to touch her here. I need to do this because A plus B equals C. And I know that I will get this outcome. I will get this result if I do these things. And also porn doesn't help with that either. Yeah, it's funny. It makes it sound like it's just another thing on your to-do list. It is. It is another thing on so many people's to-do list. And let's be honest, most professionals would be lying if they said that it wasn't another thing on their to-do list. And I know because I work with them and they come to me and they're like, how can I hate this less? How can I not make this just another chore that I have to do? And the same thing goes for something like working out. If you, yes. we tell, I tell clients all the time, if you make physical movement and working out just another chore, another mm -hmm. task that you have to do, then it's going to feel onerous. It's going to feel heavy yep. on you and you're not going to look forward to doing it. So how can you engineer it so that you yes. actually enjoy it and look forward to it? So same thing goes for sex. If it feels Absolutely. like something you just have to do to check the box, yep. well, that is really taking a lot of the pleasure out of it. Yeah. Maybe that should be a little red flag or a little warning sign of, hey, maybe maybe we need to look a little deeper into this as to why this feels like a, a task and not something that we're actually looking forward to and making time yeah. and space for because we really want it, not because we feel obligated or Absolutely. feel like we have to get it accomplished. Gosh, And, yeah. and I want to acknowledge, too, that that's a hard conversation to have because that requires change, typically, because something somewhere is not working. And because we are not getting our needs met, so usually what I see happen is one partner will feel really overwhelmed with the domestic stuff. Even if they both work outside of the home full-time, one will feel really overwhelmed by that. And that really weighs on them and it really pushes the brakes when it comes to sexual activity. And so if they have a conversation with their partner and say, I'm really treating sex like a chore and I'm not enjoying it, something needs to change, you know what needs to change? The partner who's not helping needs to start helping. But a lot of times they don't want to do that. And so then it causes conflict. And then it's, you know what, it's just easier to just do it this way. And so it, 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 I just, I want to say it's not a simple conversation of, you want to have better sex? You want to have sex more often? Let's have connected time together. Yay. It really, which is why I am so passionate about working with a professional, bringing in somebody like myself, who's an expert, who sees these pieces. And it's, hey, guys, like we need to take this whole thing into context because what's going to happen is resentment's going to start to build and people don't like to change. But if you have somebody guiding you through that process, it's a lot easier and you're setting yourself up for success versus just winging it. Do you meet women who, I'm sure you do, who are struggling with the feeling of, I don't even really want sex. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've had women ask, am I asexual? Absolutely. Yeah. Where does that come from, do you think? Gosh, where do I start? I yeah, think sorry, a lot that of was it. a very general <laughs> question. That's <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with how we're raised as women. We are not raised to be sexual beings. We are raised, in my book, I talk about the sexual gatekeeper syndrome. And that's a, coin, a term that I coined to explain how women have been burdened with this responsibility to gatekeep the sexual activity. But again, in heterosexual situations of, no, we should stop. No. And it's the man who's, yeah, no, let's keep going. Yeah, no, I'm, 
it's this belief that men are walking sex sex sticks and that they want sex all of the time and that women really are the ones who don't want sex that much. And I I don't think that's true at all. I think that men are just conditioned, boys are conditioned to be sexual and women or girls are expected like, that's not really for you. That's really for them. You're here to please and you're here to perform so that they can have the pleasure, but you're not really that into it. And so when you receive that message over and over again, you begin to believe it. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Of course, I don't want sex. And then you get into a sexual rut and you're like, I don't really have pleasure in any areas of my life, let alone in the bedroom. So I guess I don't really have a sexual desire. I don't, I could go without sex forever. And once women realize that there is so much pleasure and there's so much desire to be had out there and they give themselves the permission to go after it, that is when a whole new world awakens for them. So what would you say, is there a first step somebody could take? Let's say, let's take that example of a woman who is saying, I just don't even feel like I want sex. I could just, I feel like I could just go the rest of my life without ever having sex again. What's the first step that they could take in order to? The first question that popped into my mind is to ask themselves, do I believe that I am deserving of great sex? And how they answer that question and how it feels in their body is indicative of a larger issue. Because usually what happens is women that I work with, because we're talking about women right now, they don't believe that they really are deserving of pleasure and great sex or great relationships or, or really any good things. They're just, like you said before, they're just here. Life's passing them by. They're not change agents. They're not in control of their life. It's whatever gets handed to me is, it is what it is. And I guess that's what I deal with. And maybe for some people, they've never had amazing sex. They've gone through their various partners or just their marriage and they haven't ever even really experienced that. So they don't have a frame of reference. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be sex. It could be an amazing connection. It could be just like you said, oh, this cuddle. Oh, it just feels because we all get turned on and we all have desires for different things. Maybe it's just like the most amazing kiss. Holy cow. And that could be better than sex for some people. It it doesn't have to be orgasms. It can be so many different things. It really breaks my heart. And that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I do is that it's more than just sex. It is this belief that I don't deserve good things. And we have to acknowledge that is buried within us, that belief is buried within us, and that self-awareness before we can really begin to start to take action to to change our lives. Hmm. I love that. Wow. All right. So (laughs) I feel like my my mind is swimming right now. It's It's just such an interesting... It's an interesting topic. Again, we don't, yeah. I, I, a lot of women will have these conversations with their friends, but yeah. they're still holding some things back potentially yeah. because there's a lot of shame surrounding it. Yeah. There's a lot of comparisons of absolutely. And gosh, they have sex this many times a week. And they, yeah. there's just, this, there's, there's just so much baggage that comes along yeah. with this. And then when we try to have conversations with partners, that is really challenging too. You're having to be very vulnerable and yeah. open and exposing yourself in ways that feel scary for a yeah, lot of people, absolutely. I think. Do you have any advice for couples or 
we're talking a lot about women and female sexuality here, but and men have their own. Absolutely. I work with men too, so I'm fully aware they do too. Yeah. Yeah. What advice do you have for couples? Let's say it is a couple able to have open conversations. They have a great relationship. They want to both kind of work on this. What are some tips of where they can start or even just a tip for a conversation starter of how to bring this up with your partner if you're feeling like that this is an area lacking in your life? So one of the things that I do with my husband, and we do this like a a whole review on our anniversary dinner. (laughs) We go through each area of our life and we're like, okay, how are we doing financially? How are we doing physical fitness? How are we doing sexually? And that is the time where we get to really, you know, I'd really like more oral sex or I'd really like more whatever it is. And being able to receive what your partner is saying. So you don't have to do that and wait to do it on your anniversary. but I find that having quarterly or specific times where there's a check-in where you can say, hey, I was listening to this podcast or I was reading this book or I was listening to a friend say, because I think that's a good way to buffer something as opposed to like, why don't we have more sex? Why don't we do, right? It's you're introducing like something sparked inside of me when I heard Courtney talking about ways that we can become closer or increase our intimacy. And so one of the questions that I think that couples can ask themselves is, what are my, I made this term up, what are my sexpectations? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's fun because it's, what are my expectations around sex for this phase of our life? For me, I've got three kids, 10, 12, and 14. What my sexpectations are now are vastly different from where they were 10 years ago when I had toddlers and a newborn. And thinking about, okay, what are my expectations? My husband's not in training anymore, so he's home more often. My kids are older, so we can go on more dates. But is that how my partner's feeling? Is he aware that we're in a different phase? Because you were like, whoa, they're 15 now. Like, what, where did that happen? So really asking, what are our expectations? What are mine and what are yours for this phase of life? And how can we meet those so that we can feel seen and valued and loved? Yeah, I really like that too, because it describes your sort of take inventory on where your relationship is at at any given time. And it allows both people to be a little more objective with it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully then the other person doesn't take things so personally and gets defensive where you can, you know, okay, tonight we're taking inventory and don't take it personally, leave those types of feelings aside. Let's just put it out there. Let's say what we need. Let's hear each other. And then we don't have to make a drastic change in the next 24 hours, but now we know where each other stands. It's out in the open. And then we can work together to see how we can move forward together successfully in all these areas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the key though, is that not taking it personally, because if one partner says, I'd really like it if you gave me more oral sex, the other partner may hear, oh, I I don't go down on you enough. Like that, that, that's not what we're doing. So we have to, again, have that self-awareness of, Am I going to be triggered by what my partner is choosing to share with me? Am I going to receive that as a way for us to improve our relationship or am I wanting to pick a fight? And that's something that a lot of times couples will use the argument about sex as like a surrogate argument for they're subverting the real issue of whatever it is, the the overall resentment or dissatisfaction in their relationship. And scheduling a conversation like that, as you said, on your anniversary, or you schedule a date night and you say, okay, we're going to take inventory, then 
it, it allows hopefully for some more open dialogue where you intentionally create a safe space for that conversation. Yes. Yeah, which yeah takes significant effort on both. It does, both parts, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I feel like I could talk to you all day. Tell us, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your book. So, as you mentioned, it's yeah. called "Not Tonight, Honey: Why Women mm-hmm. Actually Don't Want Sex and What We Can Do About It." So, give us a little sneak preview of the book. Aside from all the things we've already talked about, is there any message that you want uh, to relay, and certainly encourage our listeners to? go out and buy that book. Yeah, I just really want women to understand, and even men, that's one of the things I've really been encouraged by the feedback for the book is that a lot of men have read this, especially partnered men, and it's really helped them understand their female partner better. I had one one reader share with me that they were laying in bed together and her husband was reading the book and I talked about body image in, in it in one chapter. And he looked at her and said, do you love your body? And she said, no, I don't. And that was such a mind-blowing concept for him. He's like, you're beautiful. And you've given birth to two healthy, beautiful girls. Like, how can you not love your body? And she's, I don't hate it like I used to, but I don't love it. I'd say I'm just neutral towards it. And it led to such a great conversation for them and for this amazingly intimate moment that he was able to really see her struggles. And it be because of what I had written. And so I just am so grateful for those kind of moments that the book allows for really, I wanted to write a book where women felt seen of, I'm not alone, not wanting sex. I'm not alone in hating my body. I'm not alone in feeling disconnected from my partner or disconnected from pleasure or not even knowing how to prioritize pleasure. And the book is divided into three parts. The first part is, why do we even have a book about women not wanting sex? Like, where does that come from? a lot of the messaging that women have gotten about sex, a lot of the, excuse me, historical burden and the collective trauma that a lot of women carry. Uh, The second part is really on understanding sexual response, how the body works, exploring this idea of sexual pleasure. And then the last part is really practical tips of how to make changes in your life, how to communicate with your partner. I talk about sex expectations. I talk about sexual energy. Uh, just lots of different ways so that you can make a change in your life that feels doable and start to create a more pleasure-centered life. That is amazing. (laughs) And I think everyone should go out and get this book. And just having conversations like this and writing books like that, opening the dialogue, opening the conversation for people is so powerful. We tend to, as humans in general, just avoid negative things and avoid having conversations that are confrontational or could bring up negative feelings within ourselves or within our partners. So lots of times we just go on and we avoid it. Just go on doing the things that we do. As we mentioned earlier, just go through the motions, you check the box because it's too uncomfortable to really face the situation for what it is and have these deeper conversations. So maybe your book can be a great tool for couples to say, hey, wow, let me think of something in a different way. Let me have a different perspective on this. And maybe just get the book. Christmas is coming. You can get the book for your partner. And and that could be a game changer for a lot of people out there. So thank you for the work that you do, really. Oh, yeah. No, you're very welcome. Yeah. What doesn't say Merry Christmas than a book on low sexual desire? (laughs) (laughs) It it might spark a inventory for the new year. Absolutely. Uh, and, And yes. And that's the thing is that there are so many great opportunities. And and that's one of the reasons, too, I wanted to have something that's affordable, tangible, 
where people who aren't ready to work, like to talk to somebody one-on-one or to hire me one-on-one, that this is still really valuable information. Every, at the end of every chapter is a toolbox, tool like tools for your toolbox so that you can like, how can I apply this? Because I didn't want to be just some academic talking about theory all day long. Like that does no one any good. Yes, there's value in that. But I wanted people to walk away with, this is how I can incorporate. This is how I can make a change so that they're not feeling, yeah, duh, of course I feel this way. Thanks for stating the obvious. We're so busy, even if we're going to read a book, we want some tangible takeaways because otherwise it may be seen as just a waste of our time. So that's great. I'm I'm so happy to be talking to you today. This is wonderful. Tell the listeners before we wrap up here where they can find you. You've mentioned a couple of times that people can work with you individually. Yes. I'm pretty much everywhere on social media at Courtney Boyer Coaching. And you can get my book on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble, a lot of the places that you buy books. In terms of working with me one-on-one, I am about to roll out some two big, really new offers. One is uh, 30-day intensives. So people who are super motivated and they're like, I want to create change. I want to really take control of my sex life. That is one opportunity that we uh, can do, work together. And then the other one is uh, sexual empowerment weekends for women. And so these will be retreats that are a small group. And then also I offer one-on-one for people who aren't quite ready to do the small group, but they really want the transformation that, that can still occur. So it's the same content, but I'll be have, offering some in Paris, some in the States, Bali, just different parts of the world. So that will be coming out next summer. That's amazing. And I'll be yeah. sure to put your website link and everything into the show notes so our listeners can thank you. find you easily. Thank Thanks. you so much, Courtney. This was thank a you. fascinating conversation. I was going to say it was a titillating conversation, but I'm not <laughs> sure. And it's stimulating, if you will. <laughs> yes, it's stimulating. Yes, yes. Very satisfying. So good. Thank you so much. And I hope to stay connected with you, Courtney. It's thank been, you. Me too. great. Thank you again to today's guest. And thank you to our listeners for your time and your energy. If you know someone who might benefit from the content in this episode, contribute to their well-being by sharing it with them. Your feedback and topic suggestions are welcome at info at lastingimpactwellness.com. Reach out, connect with us. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, follow, rate, and review, and share with others. Thanks again for listening. Let's be well together. Thank you.